0: Song of David and live. Oh yeah. Um. you oh, This near choice and to He hear the Holy Gospel. Bless, O oh Lord, the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. John. May his blessings be with us all. Amen. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, our Lord, God, Savior, and King of us all. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to whom is glory forever and ever. Amen. Then when the Lord learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus' is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, He left Judea and departed into Galilee. Now he needed to pass through Samaria. And so he arrived at a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me something to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman then said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank of it himself, as did his children and his livestock? Jesus replied, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Not only this, The water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or come all the way here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus replied, you said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truthfully. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people should worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, a time is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples arrived. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what are you looking for, or why do you speak with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went away into the city, and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have done. could this be the Christ? The people then went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him Saying, Rabbi, but he told them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples then said one to another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months until the harvest comes? Behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for the harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving his wages and gathering fruit to eternal life. So that both the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together, for in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into the rewards of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who had testified, he told me everything that I did. For this reason, when the Samaritans came to him, they begged him to stay with them. So he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, but because we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the World. Uh, 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 Glory be to God forever.
1: Name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, the Gospel letter sound familiar because it wasn't—it uh, wasn't too long ago um, since we were um, reading the same Gospel, but we're reading it now in a in a different light. We're now reading um, this Gospel in the light of the resurrection. So we're not. The emphasis right now is not um, so much about. Um, the repentance aspect of things and about the Lord's outreach of people. It's more about what the encounter is supposed to be. So part of it is that. And the other part of it is that the living water that our Lord was speaking about is the Holy Spirit. Um, And so Pentecost is us celebrating the Holy Spirit. It's celebrating the fruit of the resurrection. And the first fruit of the resurrection, Um, as St. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, the first fruit of the resurrection um, is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Um, because our Lord had, um, our Lord had promised. Um, he had he had he had comforted us and promised in advance, saying, "Listen, I'm I'm um, I'm going to leave, and it's good for you that I leave because if I don't leave, you will not receive to yourself um, this other uh, advocate for you, a spirit." He says, "I won't leave you orphans; I will send you a spirit." And the word orphan was intentional because. Um, the context is that if you were an orphan in, in those times, you needed a you needed a lawyer, you needed somebody who could speak for you, so that you could find out who you belong to. And he's saying, "Don't worry, you're not going to be orphans even legally. I've got you. Um, I've got you covered." So the Holy Spirit is part of it. Um, I'm not going to spend as much time on on the Holy Spirit. Um, if you'd like to, then then maybe attend with us the Book of Romans because we've been talking about that. But instead, if we can look at what the resurrection um, has done. When we did this gospel, um, roughly about a a little over a month ago, um, we talked about how Origen uh, made a a point that the five husbands that um, the Samaritan woman left behind were the five senses. So one of the things that the resurrection does for us is it says, to stop living according to the body, stop living according to the five senses, and instead to live according to the spirit. And I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit, although I am also talking about that, but your, your actual spirit as a human being in the image and likeness of God. And here I'm just going to ask the obvious. Do you have a spiritual life? Okay, And this is what we mostly emphasized last week. So I'm not going to rehash all of that. But if you live for something that dies, well, you just die too, right? So if if your whole meaning, if your whole existence is found in material things that die, we're all going to die, folks, (laughs) right? So that's living for death. That means that the meaning of your life is death. So really reflect on that. Imagine if your goal in life is to be married. Imagine that's your goal. If that's your goal in life, what are you going to do when you get it? After the event, then what? You're just married? So is your life, is the meaning of your life done? is the meaning of your relationship to that person now complete it, w- w- if that's your goal well, that's just a single event then what what do you do when you get it does your life cease to have meaning because if you build your life on an event then your life is meaningless without the event the spirit is eternal spirit that is put in you, that is put in me, that we've all received, that is eternal. It's not temporal. It's not carnal. It's not material. It does not die. And so that's why St. Paul says to us that the epistle that we read on the the day of resurrection is those who live according to the earth are earthy, right? What he, he means is, People living materially are material. Anything that that can can decompose, if you live that way, um, that's your end. But the question is do you live for the Spirit? Because if you live for the Spirit, then you leave your five husbands behind. If you live and commune with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the resurrection, you leave the senses behind. It means that you don't make the meaning of your life. If you're living in the resurrection, what you eat, what you drink, what you're going to graduate from, what master degree that you're going to get, what doctor you think you're going to get, how well you think your company is going to do, how much time you spend on individual things is going to be reflective of what you think matters. If the bulk of your thought, if the bulk of your time, if the bulk of everything you do is centered around the five senses, then you live for those things. I'll leave it at that. Now we had also touched briefly on, on, on Master Origin telling us that the well was the well of Jacob, a symbol of the law. Okay, and so the life of the resurrection means go leave your water pot from the dry well, from the dead well, from the not from the living water. Right, is to leave that um, and do that. So she had been drinking from the law. What does that mean for us if we're living in the resurrection? Before the resurrection, people obsessed over the law, and rightfully so, rightfully so, because people obsessed with the law because it's the only way that they had, There's the only means that they had to try and make things right with God, okay? So if you messed up, then the way to make things right with God um, was to go and um, offer a, a sacrifice um, it was for you to, to to find some kind of magical way that you could find um, so that you could feel like um, you were acceptable with God. Okay. So the resurrection changes that for us. The resurrection has made us right through Jesus Christ specifically. Okay. That's, not a theoretical thing. That's not, that's not a small um, thing. Because now you're being made right with God. It's through a person. It's not through the magic that you do. Why does that matter? There's a fight at the beginning of this gospel that we just said in passing where it says that Jesus heard that people were saying, oh, look, jesus baptizes more disciples more people than john and then it points out that it wasn't him but the apostles and that when jesus hears this he leaves because if you're living for the law if you're living for the actions if you're living for the duties you're going to be in really petty fights among other things if you're living for the law your obsession is going to be did he enter with the right foot or the left foot does this have whey powder in it um does this one have this and i'm not saying those things are bad things i'm not saying you shouldn't fast seriously i'm not saying that ritual is stupid it's not stupid ritual is very important what i'm saying is that if you think ritual if you think actions if you think conversations if you think positions are what make you right with god i don't know what resurrection you live in but it's not the same one that our lord gave us those things don't redeem you. Those things don't save you. Those things don't set you right with God. Those are tools. You are made right with God specifically through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if you're if you're living in the law still, you're you're missing out on the freedom of the Spirit, right? You're missing out on the whole point of Christos Anisti, right? Which I forgot to start with Christos Anisti, everyone. everyone. Um, My bad. I'm a hypocrite. Um, So if you think you're saved by the random acts that you might do, think again, right? So I'm not saying do those acts that you do. If you're spending a lot of your time arguing about the most ridiculous things, get over it. Sorry. It's not the point of the resurrection, right? We get so caught up in the dead water, so caught up in the dead water and we completely miss out on the living water of the spirit. But on a more personal level, if we look at this again from the perspective of the resurrection, the story resurrection frees you from your past. And I think that's something that um, a lot of us um, struggle with Um, our histories, right? A lot of us really struggle with our histories, but in confessing to Christ, The Samaritan woman was freed from her history, her baggage, and her shame. Right? In saying things aloud, it no longer had a grip over her. Right? In confessing Christosanesty, you can realize that whatever happened before Christosanesty doesn't matter anymore. Not your ego, not your pride, not your family history, your huge mess-ups, your monumental failures. All of those things don't matter. They actually, they don't matter anymore. Um, Now you can go and take all of those things from your closet and bring them out to Christ, who makes us right, okay, And then they're done. They're done. They are now gone because of the Lord. They're now gone. They're now put on the body of Christ. And the only reason why the body of Christ can do anything is because it's the body of the incarnate God. And if Christ was not risen then any sins of your past that the priest when you confess takes and puts on the body of Christ if Christ was just some dead body that's a meaningless act but because it's put on Christ the living god the Christ of resurrection the Christ of Christos Isti, your baggage doesn't control you anymore it's really liberating and no one can make you right. So if you think that you need to be made right by confessing, by, by other humans fixing it for you, they can't fix it for you. They can't forgive you your sins. They, they have no authority to, to look at your past and say, don't worry about it. They can say that, it might be nice of them, but they don't have any authority behind their words, right? If some dude on the street says to me as just a regular Joe Schmoe, hey, I have a bad past, I might be nice and be like, oh, don't worry about your past, what matters is your future. But that comes with zero authority if I'm just some guy. But when Christ, the living God, says, your life comes from me, I know your life, and I'm saying, move on, no problem, I forgive you, it has a whole different meaning. Completely different meaning. So whatever it is that you're ashamed of, release it in the resurrection. Release it, right? Take it in confession and release it. Bad thoughts, bad inclinations, um, disgusting things that you, things you view as disgusting from your history. Get rid of it. Live in the victory of the resurrection where you have power over it as opposed to living in fear, right? Don't live in fear don't live your life basically waiting until noon to go to the well because of your shame because you don't want to meet the people in the marketplace resurrection frees you from your addiction this woman was an addict let's be real okay Which i think we all are this woman couldn't get enough men pardon me that's the reality right she was man shopping she kept finding a new one And she stopped committing, by the time she met Jesus, she was just living with the guy. She wasn't even married to the dude. And she was so addicted, she was so addicted, that she was accepting to be the city outcast with a reputation. Okay? So, yes, people were mean. I'm not pretending people weren't mean. But there's no denying that this woman knew what she was doing. She knew how this was viewed. Okay so she bore some responsible not some she bore the largest part of the responsibility in this scenario by her own decisions she was an addict but encountering the risen lord if you actually develop this relationship with the risen lord look at what happened to this woman right she turns around this woman turns around and just like, okay, no need for that anymore. It's literally just done. Um, and I, I will say from personal experience how real that can be when you, not just with Christ directly, but even with people who are filled with Christ. Um, those of you who know Amber Ruiz, um, a uh, very, very blessed bishop, pray for me, he has, he has Alzheimer's now. That man is a living saint. I had something that I'll never forget. I, was, I had been addicted to for three years. This was about, this was grade nine, grade nine. And Amber Rice came to a visit at my, at the, the church in the city I was living in. And he didn't even give a talk that had anything to do, had nothing to do with my addiction. He didn't even go near it. Seeing the beauty of his spirit, it was impossible not to see. Seeing that the, the depth of his of his union with God, of his life in the resurrection, okay, was enough for me that literally, I didn't go back to it. It was done that day. It was like, nope, I'm not doing it. It was not like a, okay, let me set a quit date. It was. No, we're already done. I'm not planning for the last time that I do it. The last time is already in the past. It's done. This is a real thing, right? If you enter in the power of the resurrection, if you enter into this unity with God, if you drink from the living water, you can be free from whatever addiction that you have, regardless of what it is. It gives you power. It comes with the tag of, if this is true, if Christ is risen, if Christosanist is true, there's a solution to everything. It's resurrection. That anything wrong can die and find new life if there's really a resurrection. Everything is in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And resurrection, as we see from from this woman, frees you from fear. It takes away the spirit of fear. This woman with her encounter, not only overcomes her sin, but she overcomes her fear, because she's at the well because she's avoiding the people. Now she spoke to Christ, what is the first thing she does? She goes straight for the people. The very, very people that she was actually afraid of, the very people that she thought she couldn't confront, the very people that she was avoiding are the first people she goes to. her own resurrection, her, her resuscitation, her restoration to her proper dignity made her face everything she was afraid of. Because she entered into the light of the resurrection. Christ is light, right? Christ is, is light. And so when you enter into the light of the risen Lord, anything that you had becomes exposed. And many of us fear that exposure. But when you enter into the loving light of Christ, you don't find fear. You find power. You find that Christ clothes you with his own radiant light. You become children of the light. You no longer become children of darkness. Resurrection should liberate you. It should change you. When you encounter the light, it changes you. May is an awesome month for saints. It would have only been more awesome if St. Anthony's Feast was in it as well, but can't have everything, okay? On May 1st, just to see the different kinds of ways, briefly, that the resurrection changed people. May 1st, we had St. George, right? St. George, if we look at him from a modern perspective, to see what the light of the resurrection did, he was like equivalent of the elite of the elite of the elites of the most advanced military in the world. And he confesses that he believes in the risen Lord. What he's being asked to do are saying, if you would just deny your Lord, we'll give you everything. What might that look like in the 21st century? It's like saying... Pulling the guy who's really, really famous that everybody loves and adores and says, wow, you're a beast and you got really famous and putting them in front of national or international television and saying, what's your stance on homosexuality? What's your stance on gay marriage? What's your stance on abortion? What's your stance on women's rights? What's your stance on human liberties and freedoms? What do you think of Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia? What do you think of? What do you think of? Why? To discredit you. St. George could have, he really could have, he could have said, I know my real relationship with God. If I just eat, like I don't think Diocletian is even that religious, really. If I just eat, we can get this over with. I'll go back to being me. He could have done that. Um, But instead, um, instead he said, I can't lie. And I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid at all of what you can do to me or my body so you want to take away my reputation take it you want to comb my body literally with nails and take away the six pack and the biceps i have take it you want to strip me of all of my honors in the military take it i'm not afraid i live in the resurrection saint mark there is a tradition small t tradition um, which means that you can believe this or not believe this. That's up to you. There's no problem. But there's a tradition that St. Mark didn't believe yet in the garden. There's a story of St. Mark being um, in the garden and he runs and they take and someone grabs his clothes and runs away naked. But there's a tradition that he didn't even believe yet. Okay. But regardless of whether he did or he didn't, St. Mark didn't start off as a great... Um, it doesn't seem like he started off as a great guy in the sense that St. Paul couldn't stand the guy at the beginning, right? St. Paul said, we, we are, I am not going to allow this guy, John Mark, to come with me, okay? But look at what St. Mark transforms into. St. Mark, the founder of our church, okay? If he was a non-believer, whatever he was, his encounter with the risen Lord has him slain on the Feast of the Resurrection dragged through the city to the back of a horse or a mule over and over and over until he dies. Right? That was how he celebrated Christosynisti, completely fearlessly. But some of us aren't gonna go die physically. Saint Athanasius this Friday, right? Here is a person who according to one tradition actually was originally a pagan. Okay, if you read the lives of the patriarchs um then then actually he was born to to a pagan couple. St. Athanasius, his encounter with the risen Lord was so real that he was able to withstand five exiles that had him away from his chair for the majority of his papacy, that had him walk up to the emperor and tell him off, not in, not in insulting his person, but in a way that could have cost him his life. He walks up to Emperor Constantine, grabs his horse by the bridle and says, listen, man, that action by itself is it was, was, was death penalty in those days. Leave matters of the state to the princes of the state, matters of the church to the princes of the church, right? And he didn't budge. He didn't compromise literally over one iota, over the letter I in Greek. Wouldn't compromise no matter what it cost him. The resurrection made him fearless. St. Pachomius the 22nd of this month, okay? St. Macomius. if you haven't read his life, read his life, the guy's a beast. He was a pagan. He had a military campaign in Egypt and found that his enemies, the people that were supposed to hate him, that he was coming to subdue, were feeding him, caring for him. They were transformed by the resurrection and they transformed him. Where he was like, whoever this Christ guy is, is like, Christ, if I come back from this military campaign alive, I give my life to you the resurrection freed all of these people all of these people from the different places that they were at from everything that they had some of them were rich some of them were poor some of them were famous some of them not so famous but all of them were people that were changed because of their interaction with the risen lord and so we come back to this woman that tradition tells us that her name was Fotini And this woman, who had been afraid of her city, afraid of her comrades, afraid of everything, she doesn't stop in this story, according to tradition. According to tradition, St. Fotini, and even her two kids, she has two kids, she goes and she preaches to the whole world, the risen Lord, until she has the audacity and the temerity to try and convert Emperor Nero
0: himself. And until this, and until this, she was still
1: willing. She was allowing herself even to die because of this. The resurrection changed her permanently. Okay? So reflect on whether or not, like the Samaritan woman, like St. Fortini, okay, whether or not you are living in the power of the resurrection, if the resurrection has changed you, if the resurrection has freed you from your addiction if the resurrection has freed you from your fear if it hasn't no it's never too late to start but let us all approach the lord with the spirit that we were given resurrection where we are not afraid of the lord but we can call him abba father and may it give us victory over our personal sins may it give us victory in life and may it give meaning to our lives that we can stand with saint Fotini in the choir of confessors and martyrs whether in the spirit or in the flesh to him be glory and worship now and always and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Now, the love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, the communion and the good news with you all go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all.